Now tuning in to Earbud Media. Audio for everyone. Look at us doing our job. <laughs> All we have to do is press record, but every time I do feel like it is a monumentous task. Right. It's it's honestly brave. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I want to go back to a place where I used to get like gold stars on a columned chart. Oh, for things. totally. Like, yes, did brush my teeth. Gold star. Yes. <laughs> did make my bed. Gold star. I just need... I need the presence of stickers, I think. Yeah. Especially I think that's fair. right now. <laughs> yeah. Just little validations, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Did listen to one podcast today, Gold Star. Did not spend more than 30 minutes on TikTok, Gold Star. <laughs> Just, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> got my screen time notification where my phone is like, hey, you spent a lot of time on TikTok today. Please move on to something else. And I listened this time instead of ignoring it. Gold star. Great. Thank you. Wow. Congratulations. Honestly, that's brave. (laughs) That's very good. I feel like it's the first time since March that I actually listened. I don't know what it was about today (laughs) that I had self-control. Yeah. It's so hard. It it is. It is. It's frustrating. Absolutely. I am absolutely flabbergasted and honored today to have the guests that we have I feel like somehow in a serendipitous way, we've gotten to the, like, crux of this text. Like, the best, most, like, twilighty chapters in Midnight Sun with an ideal guest. And I'm so excited that you are here with us, V. Welcome to the space. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. (laughs) It is great to have you. For anyone that has the audacity to not know who you are, and the work that you have been doing within this space for since, like, I think 2013, if I'm not mistaken. Would you please enlighten them on who you are and what you do? Well, I'm somebody who's feeling quite old at the moment, hearing the the word 2013. (laughs) But I've been a Twilight fan since 2008, which makes me feel even older. I have kids on TikTok who are like, I was born in 2008. And I'm like, please never talk to me again. (laughs) Oh, boy. Oh, no. Um, (laughs) That's wild. But hey, my name is V. I go by VL as Alice Cullen in the fandom. And I am a Twilight content creator um, and cosplayer. So I cosplay as Alice Cullen for... Uh, a Twilight acting troupe called the Olympic Coven, and we are the in-house entertainment, basically, for Forever Twilight and Forks, uh, basically the biggest, greatest, uh, most fandom Twilight convention there is, and it uh, happens every year in the real Forks Washington around Bella's birthday. So that's who I am. That's what I do. Oh, amazing. It is a joy to be able to have you in this space, um, and the idea that there are still fans that were even born after the series is really really blows like freaks my bean honestly because <laughs> I I teach middle schoolers and so I see them often reading Twilight and I'm like you were not alive you were not alive when this happened I'm glad that you were reading this welcome to this space um excited for you to cry but also you were not alive what happened <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I know it's crazy. And I think a lot of it is people getting into it because their older family members were big fans or because they're seeing it kind of come up on spaces like TikTok or Instagram and they want to know what the hype is all about. So yeah, younger and younger fans. And it's, it's nice because it's nice to know the fandom is thriving and it's getting uh, an infusion of new blood, so to speak, so to speak. So yeah, it's just, it's just weird when they talk to you and they're like, I'm 11 years old. And I'm like, is it even legal for me to talk to you? Get out of here. You know? (laughs) (laughs) Why are you on the internet? Please leave. Exactly. Like, aren't you stuck in a crib somewhere? Like, Uh, yes, I, I did not follow that at all as someone who was 11 and also on the internet. Um, (laughs) seeing it now from the other side is incredibly disorienting because I, I feel the same way. I'm like, what do you, why go play outside? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) One of the things that we like to do, especially it's become more and more relevant, especially this year is check in on how we are doing and something that has brought us joy recently. Um, B, would you do us the honors of letting us know how you're doing and something that makes you happy or has recently? Okay. Yeah. I would love to do that. So um, I'm, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for asking. I hope you guys are, are doing well too. Um, I know it's a weird time for basically everyone. Like if it's not weird for you, like who are you? <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> Uh, I'm working from home right now. So is my husband. We live in a 700 square foot condo. So we are basically on top of each other while we work. He now knows that I'm like, a, let's circle back on that type of person at work. And that's my greatest shame. <laughs> so yeah, that's been that's been fun. But you know, grateful that we are both still employed and you know, aren't, you know, living that type of life right now. But one thing that brought me joy, and it actually just happened today. And this is so materialistic, but I'm going to say it because I'm a Leo and I'm a magpie and I love shiny, beautiful things. And I'm also Alice Cullen, basically. So <laughs> my friend who plays Rosalie for the Olympic Coven, uh, Bella Rose, one of my best friends, bought me a fucking, sorry, can I swear? Yes, yes. please. <laughs> she bought me a Gucci belt, you guys. <gasps> what? What? I got it Damn. in the mail today and I, I like, I lost my mind. Like, I, I had no idea how to respond. She knew I'd been wanting it. Like she could, she had one. And I was like, Oh my God, that's beautiful. I love that. I, I really like, I want to get one for myself. Like, or maybe I'll ask my husband for Christmas or whatever. She's like, you have no idea how many hours of free therapy you've given me. So this comes nowhere near that. She's like, but I love you. And I wanted to show my appreciation for you. So here you go. Beautiful things. And I still don't know how to re- like my brain is broken. So if I'm like a stuttering idiot throughout this, it's because I actually don't know how to think because I'm so mind blown with gratitude. So that's my happy for today and probably for the rest of my life wow. as well. I love having friends that whose gift, whose like love language is gifts because that, wow. First of all, yeah. <laughs> um, it's amazing that what a wild thing to just be like, hey, I want to thank you for your friendship in a way that you will receive it the best. The bar has been raised. Extremely. And my husband was like, damn, Bella Rose always making me look bad. He was like, I was going to get you that <laughs> And I'm like, sure you were, babe. <laughs> you can say that now that it's off the list, but. I had it in my cart, I swear. <laughs> I was ready to check out. <laughs> I can't believe that I have to go return this that I was obviously going to buy. Seriously. Oh, and just that exact one too darn. (laughs) That's fantastic. I appreciate that because that that brings me joy by knowing that that has happened for you. Thank you. Um, Cody, how are you doing? I'm doing good. My happy thing is also your happy thing. I'm so excited excited about because on the day 
that we're recording this. It is the start of Fat Bear Week. (laughs) (sighs) Which is maybe Shark Week. Great. Great week. Not the best animal week there is (laughs) in the world. No. It is run by the Katmai, I think I'm saying that right, National Park and Preserve. And it is basically a March Madness bracket of the biggest, most beautiful bears. (laughs) And people vote on them. Honestly, it feels like something that Emmett Cullen really just created on his own accord. (laughs) Like, did he ghostwrite this? Was he part of the committee? Like, what's going on here? No one else would single-handedly make hashtag bear cam a thing. Yeah, literally. Um, (laughs) But I love it, and it, it... I agree. It brings me great joy every year. I love a good bracket. Yes, even though absolutely. I'm no longer I'm no longer one who plays sports or really invests a lot of time in it, but I do love a good bracket. Totally. And when it comes to conserving and taking care of a species that is like in the PNW, which is where I'm at, it makes me very happy. Also, their names. They are stunning. Chunk. Big fan of Chunk. <laughs> One of my favorites this year that I'm really rooting for is 435's Cub. Oh, totally. <laughs> what an honor it must be. This is something that often, especially now, Twitter is a, a hellhole that I don't often spend a lot of time on, or when I do, I'm, I find myself doom scrolling. This is yeah. something, though, that I feel like No matter from the different areas of interest of people that I follow, folks always come together for Fat Bear Week. Totally. (laughs) That is an immense joy when there are so few to find right Right. now. It's truly a unifying force. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. I love it so much. And I'm glad that that is something that is also bringing you joy. (laughs) But circling it back to where we are at in this space... V, I'm so excited to hear this from you. We've read a little bit about it from, like, your blog and your TikTok and all of these fantastic (laughs) different spaces. But one of my favorite things when we have folks here on the pod is knowing their Twilight backstory. So if you could take us back to 2008 and bring us to now, like, what was it like when you first started here in the fandom? How did you get to where you are now? How are things different or the same? I'm so excited. I want to know everything. So I mentioned that I've been a Twilight fan since 2008. I actually uh, read Twilight in January 2008 after a breakup. Um, I'd been with a guy for about four years, and it just very clearly wasn't going anywhere. And so I I made this tough decision to uh, end the relationship. And it kind of left me in this black hole of despair because I'm like, no one will ever love me. And like, you know, you, you want something to like fill your time with and like distract you. And at that time, I was pretty active on LiveJournal, and there were a couple of celebrity communities that were talking about this book that had come out, and it was being made into a, a movie series, and, and you know, casting news had just started to come out and things like that, so I decided to check it out, and that book was Twilight. Um, so I went to the bookstore, and I mean, even if I hadn't heard the buzz, I think I would have been drawn to it anyway, because the cover is beautiful, like... Yes, you can judge a book by its cover. It was really pretty, and that drew me to it. Like, I'm not ashamed to admit it. I'm a very shallow person. (laughs) So I picked it up, and I read it, and I was, like, immediately obsessed. I was like, what is this? And because it hit me in, like, all the feels that I needed at that time, I was like, oh, my God, Edward loves Bella so much, and, like, I need that, and I want that. And, like, 
12 years later, I'm like, do I though? Like, eh, you know, does anybody need that type of love? Not really. But, you know, I was really like obsessed with what I was reading. And I literally stumbled out into a snowstorm to buy New Moon and Eclipse and Breaking Dawn hadn't come out that at that point. So read those in like under a week, then was just like obsessed with this. So I got all my friends to read it. And um, they were reading it like kind of reluctantly. But then they were like, hey, like, when I was reading Twilight, like I kind of pictured Alice as you. And I was like, for real? And they were like, yeah, like, physically, she sounds like you. And like, I kind of was so obsessed with like Edward and like viewing him through Bella's eyes at that point that I hadn't even really like considered Alice, probably because we're pretty similar. And I was like, man, I know you, you're kind of boring. Like, I'm not going to focus on you. This guy, though, he's hot. He sounds hella hot. Like, I, I want to focus on that. So my friends were like, no, dude, like you really like she's basically you. So I was like, okay, well, I guess I can. I'll think about that a little bit. So we went to um, a midnight release event for Breaking Dawn. Um, and I was dressed as Alice and my friends were uh, Rosalie and Bella. And I did like a little Alice inspired look. who was like a masquerade ball type of thing. Um, and then when we first started seeing promo shots and everything in the movie, I was like, okay, like I can kind of like, I can see this. Like, like I don't look like Ashley Green or anything, but I think if I was like, you know, to get the, the hair and the makeup and the eyes and whatever, like, I think I could do this. So I was already like a fan of cosplays. So when the movie came out, I was like, I'm going to start putting these like house looks together because Twilight's like a really cool thing right now. And everybody's like really active in the fandom. And I want to be part of that because I'd never really had a fandom that I'd been part of before. Like, I love mm. Harry Potter, like Sailor Moon, like all types of different things. But those worlds just felt like so big and established before I'd ever come into them that it didn't really feel like there was a spot for me there. But with Twilight, it still kind of felt like in its infancy and like I could really be part of a community because it didn't feel that big yet. You know what I mean? So yeah, I guess, I guess my feelings then were like just, it, it was fun to be part of something and, and have a world that wasn't like so complex that like I, I felt like out of my depth in it. And I just really resonated with like the characters and, and well, not so much the story. I mean, it, it is what it is, especially at <laughs> Breaking Dawn. Um, but it just it hooked me in a way. Like she's got a unique writing style that kind of pulls you in. So 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 I've been I've been part of the fandom ever since. That's that is I feel like the most traditional story. Mm-hmm. I think like the experience of Twilight. Like when I think about getting into the fandom, I always think about like 2008 was the fundamental year. Even though that's not when the first, the books were first released, that was the year, like, the buzz for the movie was coming out. And so I feel like that is when it – I agree. I feel like it was – the fandom was not fully established at that point, and it was really, like, getting in on the jump at that point, which is fantastic. I was curious to know how your experiences initially just as a – I don't know, a viewer of the fandom have changed now that you are like actively contributing with the the Olympic Coven? It's it's different. I feel like my connection to the fandom is actually deeper now um, because mm-hmm. I've made so many deep and lasting connections through the fandom that I didn't have initially. And I feel like if I hadn't made those friendships that I have now, I probably... I mean, I would still have, like, love for Twilight in my heart, but I don't know if I would still be as active as I am and and creating things. I think I think what's changed for me is that um, I'm I'm able to, like, I'm still able to, say, laugh at the funny things and and create memes and, and, like, crack shippy content and stuff, like, the same way I was in the beginning because I've never taken it super seriously. Like, you know how you can love something, but you can also, like, point out its flaws and be like, this is funny. You know what I mean? Oh, that's the show. <laughs> that's the basis of I was, everything. I was listening to some episodes to, like, prepare for this, and I was like, we'd be friends, like, 100%. Like, <laughs> I fit in here, you know? So I, I guess what's kind of changed for me is that my love for Twilight, unlike 
you know, that sort of level has stayed the same, but my love for the fandom has grown deeper because I've met so many amazing people and had so many amazing experiences because of it. I guess that's what's changed for me is that like in the beginning, I didn't really have a place to call home or like a, a group of friends that I could kind of call my people. And, and as the years progress, like those feelings and like those relationships and those bonds just keep like solidifying. And yeah, it's, it's been a wild ride. It's like, wow, 12 years at this point. That's crazy. Yeah, that's, yeah. That is definitely a significant amount of time. And I think the way that I had, I had seen you describe it before, that it's like being a, a Disney princess, but for the Twilight fandom, I feel like that's so accurate. And I hadn't thought about it before, but the I imagine that the kind of connections that you make with fans is probably super wild because you're like, no, I'm a fan too. I know right. that I look like Alice, but like, no, I'm a fan. Um, and which is yeah. probably super interesting. It's That's exactly it because at the end of the day, like you're right, I am a fan, I'm a content creator I um you know binge the books rewatch the movies the same as anybody else does I you know I I have my my criticisms and everything the way that everybody does but anytime Stephanie Meyer, Stephanie Meyer acknowledges me like my heart does the little thing you know like <laughs> like your, your creator like basically is like you know I exist it's so weird and also I need to like scrub anything bad I've ever said no I'm just kidding but yeah it's it's very interesting because I've met so many amazing people and I have people pouring their heart out to me and telling me that I'm their idol or I inspired them to cosplay or I've inspired them to keep moving in some aspect of their life that was giving them trouble. Um, people come to me for all types of advice, uh, you know, fashion advice, cosplay advice, life advice, boy advice, like just everything. I think the thing I'm most proud of is that, you know, although I am also a fan, I've been able to create almost a safe space, like a pocket within the fandom where people feel like they can come to me and like, like they know me and, and they trust me and, and they value what I've had to contribute. So that's been really, really special, I think. Yeah, I think that that, I would imagine that, as you said, like that definitely deepens the appreciation for a fandom, especially one that as I've understood, this fandom has definitely grown at, mm -hmm. and like matured with age. And I think that if I've learned anything from this fandom too, is that we are still able to love this content and appreciate the experiences that it's gave us, but also still be critical. Yeah. And I think that that is the best way to, and it, I think it's a healthy way to approach media of any kind is like, yeah, validate your feelings. I'm glad that it made you feel this way, but also, you know, <laughs> there's things to be critical of. Of course, especially when you consider the time that the story was initially written. Social, uh, right. you know, society looked different then. Um, 15 years doesn't feel like a long time, but it, in terms of certain progressions, it certainly is the attitudes that we have. Um, and, you know, the conversations that are taking place now regarding, you know, racism, you know, representation of the Quill U people, those conversations weren't necessarily happening on this scale back then. So I think it's great that people mm. are talking about it. And I think you're right. I think it's possible to love something and be critical of it at the same time. You don't need to go so far as personal attacks or, or you know, anything like that. But I think it's, it's healthy to look at things and say, okay, I love this, but this isn't necessarily mm. why I would want this in my own life, in real life, or, you know, I love this, but we need to look at people that maybe aren't in as privileged a position as I am, um, who may have been harmed by the things that I love. So I think that's very, very important. Yeah, I think that we are on the same page. And I think that it is, if I think that it is a, in a way that has made us approach having this discussion about Twilight for the past four years manageable is like, yeah. we're going to talk about it. 
but we're also going to be critical because I do that with everything. Right. Um, and I think that for me anyways, I, I don't know that there's anything that I like 100% agree with because mm-hmm. I don't know that it would be, yeah, I think to me that doesn't represent who I am. Um, so I think that makes sense. We have a couple of current events to get to before these two like buck wild chapters. Truly wild. <laughs> Just like the most Twilight-isms in two chapters that we've had so far. The first of which is a little bit out there. Cody, do you want to take us to theory corner? Do we have a theory corner? (laughs) I guess we do now. I guess we Uh, do now. Just the red string conspiracy theory corner. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so this is from Comic Book Review, CBR. I think that's what it is. Yes. And it's basically a theory that... Bella Swan is actually half werewolf. Which is really something. Right. It's like, why, (laughs) when, has this been like a long festered theory? Like, was this person sitting on this for like a long time? And is like, this is the moment. This is my thesis. Here you go. Had just tried to pitch it to several different media outlets. Because there's like a lot of research here. And like, there's a lot of like arguments made. And it just seems like something they've been working on for. (laughs) For a while it's like i know this is my truth like let hear me out the theory seems to be doubling down on the fact that bella swan is half werewolf and i can't tell if this person is dub- like thinking specifically the quillute wolves mm. or if like the actual werewolves because hopefully this person understands right that like quillutes aren't wolves right they're just children of the moon they just yeah. chose wolves because they were right. like, so cool <laughs> Yeah, wolves are sick, so... so. (laughs) (laughs) Wolves are dope as hell. Yeah. Um, But this is, like, a five-paragraph essay, red string all over the walls of, like, no, actually, this is what Stephanie Meyer meant. And I don't know how much there is to this, but I do appreciate a theory. Yeah, I think, like, the, 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 the foundation of this, I guess, is that because, like, the vampire stuff doesn't work on Bella, like, you can't read her mind and all that or whatever. Right. That also applies to the Quillette wolves. So they're like, what if well. there's something there? <laughs> and it's like, okay, <laughs> I guess. Sure. Yeah, I, interesting. Mm. Interesting. The next piece here that brings me great joy is that for folks that have not yet had a chance to go to the original house for Bella Swan in St. Helens, Oregon. I'm so excited that you are now able to do that digitally. Finally. (laughs) (laughs) Finally. (laughs) Give the people what they want. So the current owners of the house, Amber and Dean Newfield, um, they've had this on Airbnb for a while now, which is great. Love that for them. The part that I'm actually very excited about is that you can now purchase tickets (laughs) to go through this home virtually through zoom so that's unreal (laughs) i i mean they're doing it at like 25 bucks a pop which isn't bad yeah that's that is still a lot of money it's still still a pretty penny but that's great honestly i get it i think that this is something that they hopefully have after some of the like lockdown things ease up a little bit as someone whose partner lived in St. Helens for all of their life and I've been there multiple times there's really not a lot to it Mm -hmm. other than this house and 
the high school. Um, <laughs> so I think if you're able to do it virtually and instead of driving an hour outside of Portland to go see it, I think that's great. Yeah. I will say I'm on this listing right now, which by the way, it's on weirdhomestour.com, which is an insane website. (laughs) But literally the first sentence of this description is, in 2008, a low budget movie by the name of Twilight immortalized a quaint little house in St. Helens. It's like, first of all, way to just nag the Twilight franchise right off the bat, even though that's the only reason this will make any money. Weirdhomestour.com said fuck Twilight. Yeah. Wow. Also, oh my god, there's so much to unpack here as I'm scrolling. There is a cardboard cutout of... Of? Is it Rosalie? (laughs) Or is it Victoria? I think it's Victoria in the dining room. Right, because it's curly hair, but it's so bleached out at this point that I think it it looks blonde. (laughs) But yeah, I think it's Victoria just in their dining room, just hanging out, which is haunting. They have Bella's closet, but they took out the doors and just put them with like this fucking plexiglass so you can see all of her outfits without opening the doors. they're not even just doors. on hangers. They're on, like, half busts. Right, they're on mannequins hanging in her closet. That's wild. Is the scariest house I think I've ever seen. <laughs> the photos here are not doing them any justice. And, like, I've been to this house before. It's, yeah. it's beautiful. It, it fits the mood. The photos here look haunting. Yeah. Wow. This is... I unreal that you would exist in a home where you need to go to the kitchen but there is just a cardboard cutout of victoria just hiding of a there. bonafide murderer it's just right. chilling exactly. in a very quaint space like you already have to worry and i know that the these folks worried about this quite a bit initially of like people would just show up to their house like they have a sign outside that's like Hey, real people live here. You can take photos, but, like, respect the property. (laughs) Yeah. And so to kind of, like, nag yourself on by putting a cardboard cutout of someone who looks like they're just chilling in your home, I feel like is not doing you any favors. Definitely not. But this is beautiful and interesting, and I think that if they, you know what? If they're going to make some money, good on them, because we all need to have a side hustle, I guess. Yeah, listen, get your coin. I respect it. Yeah. Um, This last thing is a a great thing. Cody, could you share a little bit about Soundtrack Corner, please? Absolutely. I mean, we could just make this a Kristen Corner. We're back. Case 2 is here. That's true. We are here. It feels like home. Has she ever left, I think, is the question. That's true. That is true. But um, this is from Cheat Sheet, which uh, is basically saying that one of the most iconic songs in the Twilight soundtrack was a suggestion from Kristen Stewart herself. It doesn't surprise me at all. It doesn't. The titular flightless bird. Ugh. American mouth. <laughs> the fact that this Aries woman came up to Catherine Hardwick and was like, you know what we need is a song that talks about fat cats in it. And she said yes. Absolutely. I respect it and I love it so much. That reminds me V, do you have a a soundtrack that's one of your favorites? Probably the original Twilight soundtrack. Um, I I, I go with original Twilight Twilight across the board for everything, book, movie, soundtrack. It just just holds the most nostalgia for me. But can I go back to the weird home tours for a second? 
Please, Please God, do. yes. <laughs> okay, because I have insider info on that. Because our Bella from the Olympic Coven, well, she played Bella the last two years. Um, our original Bella was on maternity leave. Anyway, she was there for the weird home tours. They, She went out to be Bella in the house for the tour. I saw that on the description, but I didn't know if it was accurate. That's so wild. Yeah. Um, just imagining. Yeah, she stayed in the house for the weekend. Um, she was there with her boyfriend, and during the Zoom tour, she was basically like a glorified living Bella prop and invited them into the house and was on her bed, like, doing stuff. The, the most iconic things came after the tour ended because they had a whole weekend to create content in this house. I had the idea. I'm Yes, I'm taking credit for it. Um, I was like, <laughs> heck yeah. So your boyfriend's here. He's real cute. Why don't you go and buy a mustache and make a Charlie Swan thirst trap in this house. I said, do they what? have Charlie's gun? And oh yeah, they had Charlie's gun. Oh my God, I saw <laughs> That's unreal. So they made, they found handcuffs, they found Charlie's gun, they found some cans of Rainier, and they made a full-on Charlie Swan thirst trap, which you see on the Olympic Coven's TikTok. And I've watched it uh, an inappropriate number of times. Wow, I am running to TikTok <laughs> Okay, that makes so much more sense about how that happened because I remember watching that and being like, oh my god, I did not know that there was a Charlie in part in this acting troupe. That makes so much more sense. I mean, it was like all I had was the idea, the cinematography, you know, the opening shot of like Charlie like dropping his handcuff on beat with like his gun held phallically in his hand. Like that was all them, you know, that was some stellar pornographic art direction right there. Absolutely. <laughs> They did that for us. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I am so excited to talk about these two chapters with you. I wanted to know your thoughts on Midnight Sun. Did you read Partial Draft 4 back in 2008? I did, and uh, I, I devoured it when she made it available on her website, which did make it a little <laughs> bit difficult to go back to it um reading the first 12 mm. chapters again was it wasn't a slog but I was really anxious to get to the new content I'll put it that way because it felt like yeah. in some space in some places so little had changed that I was like I I, I know this already like I want to get to the new stuff yeah so yeah I, I read it in a couple of days and and I, I revisited you know chapters 17 through 19 to like get ready for this and and I was like man it's just have you seen that episode of The Simpsons? I don't know if you guys are fans, but they're they're making short films and, and Barney Gumble, an alcoholic, is making like a black and white, super dramatic short film and it ends with him like <laughs> on the ground, like drapes fluttering with an open window, <laughs> like rose in his hand, and the the voiceover says, Don't cry for me, I'm already dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's Edward through the whole book. Seriously. Yes. Totally. Just mopey, like <laughs> dramatic. Very dramatic, and and I, I made the notes. Biggest sad e boy to have ever existed. Oh, it's true, literally. It's true. He would have so many followers on TikTok just for being like pretty and mopey. Oh my god, I don't want to imagine that world. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of TikToks that he would probably make of just like closing a book and staring directly into the camera, and all of the comments would just be like. Just that, like, red face with the tongue out. Be like, ooh, daddy. It's like, no, stop it. Like, he doesn't respect you. Yeah. So don't do that. No. <laughs> it's very true. Now, here's what I will say. Just deposit an idea. Edward using TikTok initially to find shitty men so that he can, quote, be a vigilante. Oh, my but God. But then becoming actively into it and, like, saving <laughs> sounds. That's so haunted. 
He says he doesn't like it. He's just using it for market research. But then he's in one of Emmett's TikToks, and now he's in it. He can't stop watching. <laughs> Why can I see this so clearly? <laughs> it, it's like it's in front of me. It's like it's already happened. Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming, based on what I've I've seen with you checking in, that you've read through part of Midnight Sun already. What are your initial thoughts now that you've gotten past the partial draft part four? Yeah, I've so I've, I've finished Midnight Sun. So luckily, no fear of like spoilers or anything here. I I enjoyed it, but I was also. A little bit more critical, I think, than some people were that I know because I was looking at it from a little bit of a different lens. You know, being an Alice Cullen cosplayer, um, well, like cosplayer is kind of like the layman's term, but I call myself a character actress and that sounds a little more pretentious, so I, like, I use cosplayer. <laughs> but like what we do in Forks is not just cosplay, we're, we're embodying the characters and, and that's why I use the Disney princess analogy because, you know, it's when you go to Disney, you, you talk to Ariel and she's not going to tell you that her real name's Marianne and she's from like Florida or whatever, you know, like you, you, mm. you, you know where is Ariel. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of what we do for Twilight and we're always in character and we take what we know of the characters and, and we're able to extrapolate that and say, okay, well, I know Alice is into fashion. So even though it's never stated in the books what brand she likes, you know, being a, a fashionista to me means you like Gucci or, or Hermes or something, you know, like you just you, you create your own character based on the details that you have. And what I was hoping to do was get a little bit more of a concrete canon sense of Alice's character from this book, knowing that it was from Edward's perspective and likely he'd be spending a lot more time with Alice than Bella was right in, in Twilight. Mm -hmm. So what I was kind of missing from the book was, I guess, more fleshed out interactions between Edward and his family and more fleshed out characterization. Yeah, totally. yeah. <laughs> I, I really felt like we were like told a lot of stuff throughout the whole series, but there isn't a lot of telling. And a lot of the characters are kind of stripped down to one or two basic personality points or like hobbies. And that becomes kind of everything about them. So I was really hoping to learn more about everybody, but Alice in particular, I came away a little bit disappointed because I didn't learn anything about Alice. I didn't already know. Right. Yeah. I think especially in these chapters, we finally get to touch on Edward telling Bella about Alice and Jasper and how they came into the Cullen family. And I agree. I was also hoping that there would be some new information. It's just, to me, it felt a lot like a copy and paste from Twilight. Yeah. 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 And I think that is the wild thing is like, from where we are at so far in this book, Edward has spent a fair amount of time with his family in this book alone and not just like in life. And yet none of that is really fleshed out descriptions. It's just been a like, let me, I'm surrounded by my family, but I'm going to lament at this piano right now, mm -hmm. which is in character for him. But also I agree. I hadn't really thought about it from a, a character actor sense of like, that doesn't help me at all. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I felt bad because obviously I really enjoyed the book. I like everybody else. I waited a long time for it. I, I really enjoyed it for what it was, but from like a like a hardcore Alice fan, you know, the the like she's the person that I wish was the main character, you know, like it wasn't as satisfying because I saw so many little moments where she could expand upon things. Like we get so many like fucking descriptions of Edward wanting to kill Mike Newton and like counting <laughs> bugs in the fucking meadow to calm himself down. But then when it comes to Alice, he's like, Oh yeah, she's kinda like an enigma and there's so many paradoxes and mysteries about her that I could tell Bella about, but I won't. Yeah. You know, there's so many things that they gloss over when I'm like, but no, go back to that. I want to know. <laughs> it's like, yeah. just give me one. The amount of detail put into just random things instead of, you know, any of these other characters is like 
truly mind-boggling sometimes reading it. Exactly. There is a point in this chapter when he is just counting bugs. <laughs> For yeah, <what>? literally. <laughs> Why? What you could have told us so many more details about this intricate family that has like unbelievable bonds that you're just assuming that we know and trust because you've said it before but show us show yeah. us instead <laughs> instead of edward just counting bugs because he's horny and he's just hiding <laughs> in trees like what literally in my notes i have edward gets a boner question mark <laughs> okay yes absolutely yes a hundred percent it also doesn't help that Stephanie titled this chapter of 17 Confessions because I was like, well, all right, so I know what I'm in for because I've listened to this song so many times. <laughs> and then it's just the mo. It is just so much of him being like, I'm a man on fire and I have to hide in these trees because if I get close, you'll see my huge dong. <laughs> so instead, I'm just going to- Bella, back out. away. Don't come any closer. <laughs> It's interesting because I... the man on fire thing makes a reappearance in Breaking Dawn. Jacob describes him that yes. way as well. It's oh a little, yes. little parallel. And it and it makes sense, right? Like I get it. Like he's a is a man who is burning himself all the time, mostly for like no one else is doing it to him. It's just him. Yeah. <laughs> so I get it. It's just and but there are so many Twilightisms in this chapter alone of like they are getting so close where it looks like they're going to touch. And then he just literally flings himself back. <laughs> and it was so hard to read this on the page and not see it the way that it was in Twilight. Because yeah. the way <laughs> the way that Robert just like crouches on that tree branch is like forever cemented in my brain. Yeah, just seared in your corneas. <laughs> like it is there. <laughs> No other interpretation will do. I just, I can't imagine it any other way. Especially when he talks about that old tree. Like, 800-year-old <laughs> branch that he snaps off just to make a point. <sighs> Sir, think about your contributions to this national forest. Yeah. Once, please. <laughs> will you care about your local ecosystem for once, Edward? <laughs> I beg of you. You have to respect your elders, and the way that you respect your elders is not by snapping them off of their family and throwing them just for funsies. He only respects his elders if they're named Carlisle. True. That's true. 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 You're not wrong. <laughs> That's, you are not wrong. Which also, I completely was not expecting. This memory that he brought up took me by complete surprise of when he's like trying to calm himself down. And the only thing that will calm him down is when he remembers going back in to Esme and Carlisle's embrace. And oh my it gosh. nearly broke me. I was not expecting <laughs> that kind of emotion in here. And yeah. for, for Esme to just be like, my son, I love you, uh, <laughs> was not the kind of emotional maturity I was expecting in this chapter. Yeah, I feel like this whole time up until this point, like, Edward is so stoic and, like, unemotional. He's like, I don't have feelings. What are you talking about? And then this moment, he's <laughs> like, oh, God, oh, my heart just fell out on a plate. Here we go. <laughs> have all of it. Take it. Which makes a lot more sense for the fact that he compares himself to Hades all the time. Oh, my God. Of course. Hades. Yeah. <laughs> the first E-boy. True. You, I mean, you have to. <laughs> the like, original E-boy. <laughs> the one who started it all, some might yeah. argue. Yeah. And 
So he has to be a little bit more emotional for that comparison to make sense. Mm -hmm. But I was really surprised by the fact that he kept referring to himself and his decisions as those toxic seeds. (sighs) Aren't you talking about yourself a little bit much (laughs) in here, Edward? I know this is your book, but sir. Right. (laughs) I know this is your space, but also (laughs) you are not alone. (laughs) It's it's very dramatic. Yes. Yeah. Oh, totally. The other thing that I was really surprised about, like we get to the part where he's talking about the the brand of heroin, which is still like, oh, you think that I mean, I know it's integral, like it's already in the canon or whatever. But like, yeah, more so much time has passed now and nobody was like, "Uh, what if we just uh." instead (laughs) the, the ice cream analogy worked fine. Yeah. It, what I think, honestly, would have made that make a lot more sense is if when he was like, you know, Bella, people like ice cream. And she was like, yes, Edward, I'm a human. <laughs> and he's like, you know how some people are lactose intolerant, but they still eat ice cream? That's how yeah. I feel about you. <laughs> I think that would play a lot like, better. Oh, I get it. <laughs> but how would you know how, how angsty he was if he wasn't comparing it to drugs in a way that a Mormon wouldn't fully understand? True. That's real. Listen. That's real. <laughs> That's real. <laughs> uh, I'm so glad that you were the one that said that. <laughs> um, Had that stricken that from the record. No, I'm just. But it's it's uh, true though, because like I think most people would know not to refer to heroin as like brands of heroin. Like like this is the Adidas of heroin. Like no, <laughs> like it doesn't work that way. No, just Stephanie. Not. Stephanie holding a skateboard on her back, like, how do you do, fellow kids? What's the new brand of heroin? I've, uh, done drugs. Totally. <laughs> Absolutely. Stephanie's version of doing drugs was staying up past 1am and drinking lean. Let's be Oh honest. my god. I, you can't just say that, because now I'm just thinking about Stephanie Meyer being a SoundCloud rapper, and now my brain is broken, and <laughs> now I yes. just can't know. I wish I could have never thought that. Her version of doing drugs was like explicit in, in Bella's Twilight, though. She's like, I, I took some illegal substances that I'd never taken. It was fucking NyQuil to make herself sleep. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> it's not the same thing, my dude. Like, no, not the same. Just for once, I want I want Stephanie Meyer to get high. Just once. Oh, I, I'd love to see it. I would. I think she needs it. I think she would just enjoy it. I think she'd have a good time. I've, I've met her before. Okay. I've met her twice. She's a really cool lady. I would love to see her, you know, under that type of state. Absolutely. Now, now here's a big brain idea. Okay. Stephanie Meyer, Stevie Nicks in a room smoking weed. Stop. <laughs> They just make a whole conceptual album together, like, yes! in, o- over a night. <laughs> they don't sleep. Team no sleep. Only no. bangers that comes just out of that straight room. Straight bangers, yeah. If someone doesn't write s- some fan fiction of this, I will be upset. <laughs> I need this. I need this to exist, and I will not do I... it. <laughs> oh, wow. I just... You can't tell me it hasn't happened. The only reason I know that it hasn't happened is because the idea of Stephanie smoking a fat blunt. uh, (laughs) (laughs) The only thing that she could probably do is a jewel. And even then, it still connects her to being a SoundCloud rapper, which is how I will refer to her until the end of time. Absolutely. Uh, Here's what I will say. 
this, I remember reading this in, in Twilight the first time and still being taken aback by it. But when I got into chapter 18 and Edward was so anti 60s and 70s music, mm. it still makes me angry. <laughs> Just the lack of culture on this man is truly despicable. <laughs> Again, How respect your man... elders. <laughs> like, <laughs> Honestly. Respect the people that man... laid down the groundwork for you. <laughs> To be emo in your car. (laughs) Like, he doesn't... He says that he likes Linkin Park. It's his angry tunes. Do you know where Linkin Park came from? Yeah. (laughs) Have you heard of counterculture before? Oh, my God. Respect your elders, please. And she describes him as liking new metal. I mean, like, what... Like, I don't understand. Like, you, you describe his musical taste as, like that of like a like a 14 year old boy but like you <laughs> I, I just like you you can't tell me that he thinks he has superior music taste to everyone else and he's gonna judge the 60s and 70s and then tell me he loves lincoln park and new Met. like it just doesn't make sense like there's so much no. going on like he's like half a step away from being like bella have you heard of this really cool band they're called the beatles like, like, <laughs> oh my god stop, <laughs> stop it uh, I want to see his Spotify end of the year, like, wrap-up <laughs> playlist oh so bad. What would that be? What is it? What's in there? I mean, obviously, Debussy. Sure. Whereas I prefer to say Debussy. Debussy, absolutely. Debussy. <laughs> yeah. Then Linkin Park. Yeah. Those have to be, like, the top two artists. Yeah. The third artist, obviously, is... Comedy of Threes, you got this. Thank you so much. Um, I'm imagine, and you know what? Actually, I'm gonna double down on what I said before. I actually think he likes Billie Eilish. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. But the funny thing I, here I, is that if Edward doesn't like the 60s and 70s, it implies he likes the 80s, which I'm down with. Um, but it, it, it fits my head yeah. canon that Edward had like a flock of seagulls hairstyle in the 80s. Oh my god, that is perfect. <laughs> Plus, he had what everyone else wanted when putting that much hairspray in your hair, is Mm. he could just truly stop breathing. It's true. (laughs) Everyone else said, like, oh, yeah, just don't breathe when you're doing it. But they still smelled it. Like, that's how we got, like, they got high back then. Right. He, like, really, no breath. Yeah, nothing was holding him back to getting the hair of his dreams. (laughs) I need to see Robert Pattinson as Edward as eighty, as in the eighties, more than I've ever needed anything in this world. Hear me out, Robert Pattinson as Edward in San Junipero, just in the background, just vibing his eighties fucking life. Yes, I need it. Agreed. He would be like a pizza delivery dude or something. Totally. <laughs> I love it. We so chapter eighteen. That's where we get a lot of this backstory. Again, I had not considered it from your perspective, V, of like. It's all the shit we already know, which is a bummer. Kind of, yeah, from an Alice perspective. But, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, I have to tell you, I shed a few tears at the Rosalind Emmett stuff. Like, again, it's all stuff we know how it happened. But mm-hmm. seeing, like, the details of it in Edward's mind and, and talking about how he and Rosalie left the house while Emmett was changing and they came back as siblings, like, that to me was very sweet. Um, but I, oh, I have yeah. to say... My husband thinks I'm crazy because I don't really like time travel stuff because I think about, like, the paradoxes and, like, you know how it's like, mm. okay, well, this person came from the future, but they're, like, my son in the future, and they came back to stop someone from killing me so I could give birth to them, but then in my timeline, they get killed, and then I have to get to the future anyway so I can give birth to them. Like, it doesn't make any fucking sense, you know? So that's how I felt about Alice learning her name 
from a vision of Jasper telling her her name. Like, you know that meme of Spider-Man just pointing at himself? Oh my god. That's what that was to me. (laughs) Totally. So that was a little bit, at least I know now where that came from. It's not, probably not the choice I would have made artistically, but like. Right. That's the the one thing I can say that I learned. Like, okay, now we know where Alice got her name. I assume with your your opinions on time travel, then you're not probably running to see Tenet, huh? <laughs> you're probably. Not. I'm just if it's, probably... got, if it's got time travel in the description, I'm like you. You get the fuck out of here. Like, checked out. I can do yeah. a lot of things, you know, but sorry, Rob. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> not this time. Not this time. Well, I, I've I've skipped a lot of his stuff. Like I, I read stuff about the lighthouse and weird masturbation scenes and things, and I'm like, you know what? We good. <laughs> we are good, my guy. Yeah, he makes some choices, for sure. They're choices. (laughs) I am, he did not come out of that movie unscathed. No. As a character, character, but also as a person. Yeah. So I think that that's a fair choice. I I agree, though. I think the Rosalie and Emmett stuff in in here I found quite touching, um, especially because the fact that the way Edward portrays Rosalie is often incredibly harsh. And as we talked about before, he just thinks of her as just having like no thoughts when she's incredibly intelligent and just doesn't think just like doesn't let him know what her thoughts are around him, which is super strategic, um, especially given her history of trauma, but understanding more about Emmett and him being the big bear boy. I was like, oh, it makes me very happy. I love the two of them a lot. Yeah. I completely agree with that. And it angered me so much how little credit Rosalie gets from a lot of people, but from Everett in particular, and how many people in the fandom have said, well, I liked Rosalie before, but after reading her through Edward's perspective, I hate her now. She's a bitch. And I'm like, excuse me. You know, Edward is a very, he's a very biased narrator. Like he is not going to like anyone who doesn't support his relationship with Bella. The only reason we like someone like Alice, for example, she's equally like quippy and snarky in her own way. But she supports Edward and Bella, so of course we like her because our narrators like her, you know? We don't like Rosalie because she is the conflict. And so finally seeing Edward stop and consider that there may be layers to Rosalie when he's like, huh, I guess it took a lot of strength to do what she did in saving Emmett. Oh well, let's not think about that too much, you know? It's like... (laughs) Yeah, that's enough feminism for today. Exactly. He he doesn't like, he's so like no thoughts head empty when it comes to Rosalie and her and her merits. Like she's awesome she's amazing you know she's so smart she knows so many things she gets her hands dirty she's a mechanic like she's an amazing musician like what is there not to like i don't understand first of all this is a very pro rosalie podcast absolutely we stand absolutely and i will say like we've kind of discussed about this too but like she's definitely portrayed in a more negative light when the bar was already kind of low in terms of like how people talked about her but also like if you come out of reading Midnight Sun hating Rosalie more than hating Edward, like, that <laughs> seems to be a you problem. Like, I don't know how you can read this and be like, Edward seems to be, like, the most level-headed guy. And, like, really, his character judgment's pretty solid. Like, what? <laughs> Did you read the same book? For me, like, that's why I, when people are like, oh, like, Jessica Stanley, like, I don't like her. And, like, you know, her mm. thoughts were so mean to poor, poor Bella. And I'm like, have you not read Twilight? Bella was, <laughs> Bella was mean. She thought so many awful things about people. Edward, he's a bitch. Like he, he says so many awful, and then he's sitting there judging everyone for having awful thoughts while he's having awful yeah. thoughts about them having awful thoughts. Like absolutely, it just it blows my mind. Like I love these people. I love the story. 
I, I I'm sucked in every time the way it's written, but like, I, I, you just need to like sit there and think about it for a minute. Like, just don't think about the words on the page. Think about what like this character is doing, you know, and, and mm-hmm. how he's saying it right. because he's a, he's a hypocrite is what he is. Yeah. <laughs> As a fellow Gemini, I can confirm that Edward is not the most level <laughs> of anyone in this story. But I also find it hilarious throughout all of this that Edward's like, oh my god, all of these teenagers are acting like teenagers. They're so (laughs) weird and so immature. He says, as he's essentially writing in his burn book, like, yeah, (laughs) Edward, (laughs) you are literally 104 years old. (laughs) Get it together. So true. He's so ridiculous. Um, Anyways, the end of this chapter, uh... Bella, unsurprisingly, wants to have sex. And Edward's like, uh, no, no. (laughs) I can't do that, actually. Because he's a blushing bride. Yeah. And Bella likes nothing more than what she can't get. So she falls asleep and says, I love you in her sleep. Because sure. Right. (laughs) That's how it happens. Why not? Yeah. Fellas, we've Um, all been there, you know? (laughs) Listen, you know, when your partner says, I've been coming into your every night and watching you sleep and you're like oh hard eyes oh my god <laughs> that's actually really hot so that's actually so sexy fellas is it gay so to tell your partner you love them in your sleep <laughs> <laughs> we do need to know, we do need to know yeah to listen this is a this is a textbook a heterosexual relationship but it is also a very gay relationship don't <laughs> at me i don't know i'm not going to explain it that's it that's my truth <laughs> that's it <laughs> so i am so excited for the chapters that we have next week one because chapter 19 is titled home but more than anything chapter 20 is titled carlisle <laughs> only carlisle <laughs> and there has been a lot of Carlisle in this book, which makes me very excited yeah. for what that chapter has to offer. So I'm very excited. It's what we deserve, I would say. I agree. <laughs> Speaking of what folks deserve, we have a lot of love to give to our patrons. Um, the first person who I am going to thank is Kylie Minty. Thank boing, boing, you. Boing. Thank, thank you, you for El- your money. <laughs> thank you, Elizabeth James. Pew, pew, pew. Thank you, Jess Love. Yeah. Um, Thank you to Alexandra Black. (laughs) Thank you, Alex Dornan. Thank you very much, Carrie Goldberg. (laughs) Thank you to Mickey Meyer. (laughs) Thank you, Katie Weber. (laughs) Zoe Steele, you the best. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) Uh, Shout out to Rebecca Cullen. Ow, ow, ow. Shout out Amy Taylor. Mulch Gray, thank you very much. Ooh, Mulch! And our unofficial intern of this podcast, to Taylor Brown Town Lautner. Oh, shout out Kelly Beck. Aaron Salinger, thank you. Salinger, Salinger, I don't know. I hope I said one of those right. Thank you. <laughs> thank you to Sophia Salinger. Shout out Dana Kavanaugh. Thank you. Thank you, Danae Swan. And second to last, but certainly not least, is Casey Martini. Oh. Shout out Jessica Hale, newest patron. Thank you for joining. Newest bestest. We love it. 
Fantastic. Okay, this is the part that I've been the most excited for. <laughs> oh, no. I love when guests bring fanfiction to the space because, one, it means I don't have to do it, but also <laughs> I like to see your personality come through what you find. So could you tell us what you brought to the space today? Okay. So I, uh, I've mentioned, am a creator in the Twilight space. So in addition to, you know, cosplaying Alice in Forks and, and doing that character work there, I maintain a presence online. One of the projects I did um, a few years back, um, actually two days after my own wedding in 2018, um, was I did a photo shoot about Alice and Jasper's wedding. And um, I I was really intrigued by that concept because we know from the books that Alice and Jasper only got married one time. And I thought that was really interesting because we know Alice loves to throw parties. Um, she loves to bring <laughs> yeah. people together. So it was just really interesting to me that you know, for somebody who has planned Emmett and Rosalie's, you know, nuptials so many times, she herself has only gotten married once. Um, mm-hmm. So I really wanted to think about the psychology behind that and why it took them so long to get married. Um, and so I wrote a little short story to go with my to go with my photo shoot. So um, it's called I Felt Hope, uh, a Twilight Love Story. It's a little like kind of fluffy little piece of, of something. And, and when I was thinking about, you know, Alice and Jasper's wedding and what that might look like, I very much thought that it wouldn't be your traditional white wedding, you know, certainly not in a church. Then it kind of came to me that they would have this very untraditional wedding in a lavender farm, um, on a, a lavender field, sorry. Um, and I found this lavender farm uh, near where I live, and it had a yellow door right in the middle of the field. And it struck me as like this really like beautiful surreal thing like why is why is there this door in the middle of the field this door that opens and goes nowhere it's just something that's Mm. kind of pretty and like piques your your imagination right and I saw it and I was like wow that would make a really beautiful setting for a wedding I think I'm gonna write my story around Alice and Jasper's wedding and how they got married in this lavender field and how she didn't wear white that day I thought, you know, Alice wouldn't wear white because she's not really your traditional bride and she would want to wear something colorful because Jasper in his past has had too many colorless days. So I wrote my story around that concept and it lives on goaskalicecullen.com. But I wanted to read a little like a little snippet of it here. And I'm so sorry for like the self plug. I just don't read a lot of fan fiction anymore. (laughs) And I I think (laughs) I think a lot of that is like, you know, for the same reason Stephanie Meyer doesn't is it's like obviously I'm on a much, much smaller, poorer scale. Um, But you don't want to accidentally steal somebody else's ideas when you're a creator. So I've kind of just sort of stuck to my own thing. And, you know, it's one of those things where when I have an idea, I like to know that it's mine and I'm not accidentally like ripping someone else off. And this is one idea I can say that I've never seen anywhere else for Alice and Jasper. So I know it's mine. (laughs) Um, I'm looking at this photo right now and oh my God, it's so pretty. Yeah. The fact that they would do that yellow and purple together. Oh my God. I know it just, it really like, it really pops. Um, So yeah, I did this whole photo set and then I wrote this little narrative around it and I kind of wanted to read Um, a little section that describes to me how Alice feels about Jasper. Like Edward, I often knew things that I shouldn't and routinely took that knowledge for granted. When was the last time I had stopped to consider how lucky I was to have Jasper as my mate? I couldn't remember. He'd been with me from the moment I'd woken as a vampire, so intertwined with my sense of self that I'd never even imagined a life without him. How could meeting him have been luck when being with him was nothing short of destiny? But I was lucky, I realized. Lucky to have someone who indulged me and supported my whims and ambitions. Lucky to have someone who would follow me anywhere simply because he loved me. Lucky to have someone kind and intelligent who worked every day to be better than he was the day before. Being with him was my destiny, but I was still lucky that destiny had, give, had gifted me the best the world had to offer. 
sorry, I got a little, a little stumbly there because I was nervous reading my own work, but, um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like a couple of pages long and, and it got some pretty good feedback when I posted it. So yeah, it's, it's, it, and it's, it's like full Cullen stuff. It's like, it's, it's got everybody in the family and it gives them some moments and fleshes out their characters, I, I think, and their interactions in a way that I'd wish I'd kind of seen in Midnight Sun, you know, how it's like mm. creating something yeah. that you kind of wish you'd seen yourself. And for me, especially, you know, as such a fan of Alice, I really, um, I read the whole series feeling like she was less a character and more of a plot device. And yeah. that became especially true reading Midnight Sun, where Edward didn't have really a single interaction with her that wasn't geared toward what she was seeing and how she could help further his love story. So I really wanted to, you know, one of the things that I try to do with Alice is give her space to just be a person and not just boop, 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 like vision generator, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that was kind of my intention with this was to just delve deeper into um, Alice and Jasper's love story. And, you know, the, the story has kind of the beginning and uh, through the end of, of the whole wedding thing. But then at the end of it, there's some photos I took as well that just kind of showed like conceptually what it might've looked like. So yeah, that's, that's that. Fabulous. It's amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. We don't often get folks who've like written, things to bring onto the space so it's always a special treat well thank you and I, I hope if you if you have the time and you're into kind of like cutesy stuff like read the rest of it let me know what you think hell yeah that's awesome aside from your website where else can folks go to support your work sure um i'm most active on instagram so i'm um at mary.alice.brandon on instagram a uh, similar handle on tiktok at mary alice brandon um and kind of a weird thing is uh i am the largest creator of Twilight exclusive content on TikTok. So I have almost 160,000 oh, followers on there. Yeah. Damn, Obviously flex. there's yeah, like like I know I'm feeling like, you know, like Rick Flair <laughs> over here, but like um <laughs> it, it's just it yeah, it, it's crazy. Obviously there are a lot of people who create Twilight content and it blows up and and they get like, mm-hmm. you know, a ton of views and stuff from it, but I don't think there's anybody else on the platform who's doing like exclusively Twilight stuff who has as big a following as I do, which is like crazy. So I feel like a, like a Twilight influencer, man. Like, I don't know, but oh, yeah. <laughs> that's the dream, baby. <laughs> 2020 is crazy. Paying that mortgage with Twilight influence money. No, not at all. <laughs> I'm on Facebook as VL as Alice Cullen. So those are the places where you can find me most often. Um, I have a Kofi if anybody wants to donate toward my success in any small way being a, a cosplayer of any stripe is, is expensive, but you know, Alice, she wears them designer digs. So <laughs> <laughs> any uh, support that, you know, people are able to toss my way is amazing. It has been an absolute blast chatting with you. Thank you so much for your time. I will say I was like a little bit nervous going into this because I was like, oh, I don't know if we can like curse like we usually do. <laughs> um, I wanted to be like on my best behavior. And so it has been such a joy to be able to get to know you as a person as well as the work that you do. Totally. As someone who appreciates cosplay, I think that the perception is often just who you play and not who you are um and so it has been nice to hopefully folks will get to know who you are and further support the work that you do so i appreciate that i'm not like cute so i had to develop a good personality so there's that (laughs) welcome to the (laughs) (laughs) that is us right here you know we're just it's it's the club like please take my membership um but yeah it was was so nice you know to be on the show and you know kind of um 
find a space to talk about Twilight where it's not super serious business all the time because I'm in mm. a lot of Facebook groups and if you like crack jokes or share memes or anything certain types of fans will really come down on you so it's nice to just kind of like chill and shoot the shit but until next week folks as we say here in the Pacific Northwest get bit and get whipped Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Into the Twilight is an earbud media production our theme music is by Eli Krauss, and our artwork is by Maddie Padilla. Follow the show on Twitter at Into the Twilight, and support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash intothetwilight. Send us an email or a fanfiction at intothetwilightshow at gmail.com. You can find Allie at Into Wild Places and me at Cody Crow. You've been listening to Earbud Media Production. Earbud Media. Audio for everyone.